Today, Hebrews chapter 12, first two verses. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, uh, as we open your word, Lord, the word commitment comes to mind. Our commitment to you, but Lord, more importantly, your commitment to us as we celebrate that today, that we have a relationship with the living God. And Father, we recognize that any issues or problems that develop are not on your side, but on ours, Lord, and and we wrestle to hold fast in these days. We wrestle to stay strong, to stay the course, in a world that is increasingly confusing, challenging, and fast. Lord, we just cry out to you this morning, ask you for help in our time of need and and comfort in our time of trouble. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and and ask for revelation today. All God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Um, I have... Two kids, um, and for Christmas last year, we had a we had old home movies, you know, on the little cassette tapes that were, are way way out. I mean, if if it's like three years old now, it's outdated technologically speaking. And ours were way older than that. And so last year for Christmas, Helga got them converted to DVDs, and so we opened up all these uh, these old home movies and just watched the kids from when they were you know two, three, four years old and. What a blast that was to watch and, and what a, to see the way they, you know, play and, and sing and talk and just to watch the interaction of, of kids is so much fun. And, but now they're 13 and 15 and they don't do those things anymore and it's a good thing they don't because those were childish things and they were doing them at a time when they were appropriate. And, and, but now they're teenagers, 15 and 13 years old and, and they're maturing, they're growing up and it happens so fast, doesn't it, parents? There's a problem in the church. There's a problem in the church, and, and it's a problem that I hope to address this morning. Again, as we sit down to the communion table, we think about the blood, the body of Christ. And, and there is a problem, I think, in that uh, the church can remain in that infancy or immaturity stage, uh, relationally speaking, relationally to the Lord. Our relationship with God must grow up. It must it cannot be juvenile. There comes a time in our lives where we get past having a relationship with God that is based on what He does for me and moves to just a commitment to Him. You see, He's made a commitment to you. He loves you. There's nothing you can do to change that. You can't make Him not love you. That He is love. No matter how bad you've been or what you've done, even if it was this morning on the way out and the dog now is praying against you this morning. 
or the cat in my case. Yeah. You guys know I have cat issues. But nonetheless, we love God not for just for what he does for us. And in the days that we live in, folks, it's not going to get easier. Do you know that's true? It's not going to get easier. Uh, the love of many will grow cold. Right? So things are going to get harder. So we have to be ready to respond. We have to be ready to say, are we or are we not going to have a mature relationship with God wherein when circumstances don't suit us, we still stay committed to Him? So, that's we ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. I want to be an accountant. I want to be whatever it is. They usually don't say pastor. Why do you, I think a better question is who. Who do you want to be when you grow up? And I don't mean who in terms of I want to be Shaquille O'Neal or Michael Jordan or Tim Tebow or one of these athletes or you know superstars. Who in terms of integrity? Who in terms of character? Who do you want to be when you grow up? What kind of person do you want to be as you mature, as you grow? What's the character that you hope for? And I know for me, we look at Hebrews 12, we'll hopefully look at Job. I think of guys like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the Old Testament. I think of Jacob wrestling with God at the Jabbok River and clinging for a blessing. Joseph, these are guys. That, that's who I want to be when I grow up, spiritually. That's what I want to be like. So Hebrews 12 begins in verse 1 with, therefore, we also. Now, you guys know whenever we see the word therefore, we have to ask ourselves, what's it? What's it there for? Well, chapter 11 of Hebrews is about these people of the faith. People from the Old Testament times whose names you know, Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Samson and, and so on and so forth. Many of them are names we know. Many of them are names we don't know. Just general people. Those that have walked with God by faith. And, and how, their lives, how their lives were changed by their faith. The way that they lived, the things that they did, and why they did them. The whole, path, the whole book of Hebrews is about the fact that Jesus is better. That's, if you had a theme for the book of Hebrews, it's Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the Old Testament sacrifices. Jesus is better than the Old Covenant. Jesus is better. And these were people that were looking forward to Jesus. They hadn't seen him come yet. Many of them. Just look back with me at, at verse 11, or excuse me, chapter 11, verse 35, 36, uh, in that area, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trials of mockings and scourgings and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, and, and it, it just ugly stuff, isn't it? This is what it was like to be a Christian in their day. Verse 38 tells us God's impression of them of whom the world was not worthy. Of whom the world was not worthy. And so, therefore, because of all of these people, because of the faith of these people, we also, not just them, but we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, uh, the picture that, that the writer gives us is one of the Olympic Games. You guys watch the Olympics? 
I, I love to watch the Olympics. I liked it better when there was more diversity in the programming. Now it's like figure skating in the wintertime and swimming in the summertime. Uh, I like to see all the different events. But nonetheless, we recognize uh, what the Olympics are like or what racing is like a running race. Anybody competed in running? Any, have, how many have run a marathon? Hats off to you guys. That is tough stuff. Well, you will appreciate especially this passage because he says, we are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses or spectators. And it speaks to the Olympic Games. There would have been the amphitheater or the Colosseum, and it would have been surrounded 360 degrees with people sitting in the stands and watching and cheering. The interesting thing about these people is they're all returning competitors that have now come back into the stadium to cheer on those currently competing in the race. That's me. I'm currently running. As my name tag says, still running. Praise the Lord. By His grace, I'm still running. And you're running. They ran and finished. And now they're back in to, to encourage. It, have you ever, if you're training for a race, if you're training for a marathon, and you're out there running by yourself, those are long miles, aren't they, when you're alone? And your mind is racing and, and you're ready to quit. You're ready to pack it in and, and give it up. But then when you get to the marathon, when you're actually in the race and people are cheering, it sort of oh, gives you a boost, doesn't it? Whatever you're going through, and this is the thing with a race, you know that the race is a lot of fun when you start, you know, you've you got a lot of energy, but somewhere in the middle, your mind starts to mess with you, doesn't it? Because you start to hurt. You get that pain in your knees or you get that side stitch that won't go away. And you think, man, i still got so far to go. And that's when, is it or is it not, when you feel like giving up. That's when you think, man, is it really worth it? To I mean, who, what am I trying to prove anyway? I can just, I can stop right here. I can get in the car and I can just drive home and crack open a soda and get the remote control. And that would be the easy thing to do, wouldn't it? And if there's one thing I've watched, and I think I've learned a few things. One of the things about our generation is we don't, like pain. Now, I don't know anybody that does like pain, but we especially seem to do anything it takes to avoid pain or painful situations or difficult situations or conflicting situations. We just don't want to deal with it. We have a thousand ways we check out, right? But if you want to compete, if you want to run the race, you have to recognize there's going to come a time where you're going to feel like giving up. Anything worth committing to is not going to be easy all the time. And your Christian life is not going to be easy all the time. There are times when you're not going to understand why what's happening is happening to you. Why would God allow this to happen? You're in the middle of the race, and you got that side stitch, or you hit that hurdle, or you stumble. And you think, man, how am I going to finish? Well, you've got this whole cloud, cloud of witnesses that have been there. You can't tell them, you don't know what I'm going through. They've been there. Any of you been sawn into? Just out of curiosity, you take up two, we, do we count you twice in the membership? No, we don't have membership, so that's not a problem. Nobody here has been sawn in two. So you can't say that, you can't understand what I'm going through. This whole cloud of witnesses, they finished. They stuck with it, they finished the race, and now they're in the stadium cheering you on and cheering me on and letting you know, hey, you can do it, you are not alone. We have done it, you can do it. So because that's true, he says, let us lay aside 
every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So if you're going to run, how many of you have seen people that run marathons carrying luggage? Anybody just dragging that airport suitcase behind, you know? Just in case you need to, you get sweaty when you're running. I need a few change of clothes. I'm going to change clothes at around mile 10. I'm going to change again at mile 15. Maybe you need some new, you've got to carry all that stuff with you. How do you think that would fare in your race if you were running? You think that would be a, a help or a hindrance to you? So what is it for you? We're running this race called the Christian life. And it's hard enough as it is. And he says, look, there's weight, things that are burdens, things that weigh you down. You might say, well, my work is such a burden. My, I work, maybe you work too much. Maybe you're a workaholic, and maybe your work is a burden to you. But for, for others of us, work is just the reality. We're supporting our families. We're supporting ourselves, and that's godly. There's a way to work as a Christian, and maybe you're the only light at your workplace. Maybe you're the salt where you work. And so you can't say, well, my work's a burden. If I didn't have to work, then I'd really be able to run. No, work is part of your race. Or maybe you say, well, I'm just weighed down by my spouse. Uh, have you ever seen, I, I share this every so often, the wife carrying race. Every year they have a wife carrying race and you got to, the guys put their wives over their shoulder, firemen carry or all this weird stuff and they got to run and they carry their wives and that's part of the race. And you might say, man, my spouse is just weighing me down, hindering me. You know, that's not it either. Maybe your spouse is part of your race. Maybe you are the one that brings godliness into that home. Maybe your husband, your wife is sanctified, set apart, because if both of you were ungodly, who knows where the family would be? But maybe that's part of your race. So I don't think it's work. I don't think it's spouse. What is it? What is the thing that you go, if only I didn't have this, and it's an expendable thing, it's a choice. It's the camper, it's the boat, it's the timeshare, it's whatever it is, and we just, we, we oh, but then, oh, we got to do this again, i got to take care of the tractor again, i got to do this thing again, and, and I just would be able to do so much more for the Lord if I didn't have this thing in my life, and maybe that thing needs to go. For some of us, we're trying to run our race, we got a big flat screen TV on our back. You chuckle, but you know it's true. I got Google on my back, or I got YouTube on my back, and all your time is just spent. And you got these weights, and they're weighing you down, and you're not running as you should. But then there's this sin <clears throat> that around every corner is poking at you, saying, Are you ready to quit yet? Are you ready to quit yet? Are you ready to quit yet? That sin uh, is just calling to you and tempting you to give up. To give up. Anybody deal with that? Just some kind of thing. The sin. For some of us, that's the very, the very sin is the very temptation to give up. Apostasy. Falling away. When that thing, when you hit that hurdle, that's the time, folks. And that's the time I'm talking, I'm talking about this one part in your race. Look, when you are feeling good, when you got that runner's high and the endorphins are rolling and you feel great, man, it just feels so good. But I'm talking, about, talking to you about that one slice of time when there's a death in the family or when the job is, is in question or when the finances are slim or whatever else it may be and you're saying, how could God let this happen to me? 
that sin is right there, ready to drag you off of the, the, out of the race. And he says, lay those things aside. And do what? And let us run and keep on running. Let us run and keep on running with endurance the race that is set before us. Our race. Your race. My race. The word endurance I like. The New Testament is the characteristics of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. So many people that aren't sitting here today because some sin called to them and they answered the call, they turned away, and they got out of the race. Keep running, folks. Keep running. Even when somebody tells you you're not worthy to run, even when someone says you've stumbled too badly, you're not going to be able to get up from this one, run and keep. Don't rest. Don't take a break. Don't sit down a while and rest. That's not what this author says, is it? Does he say sit on the bench for a time and then get back in the game? He says, no, while you hurt. How many of you know this? While you're running, maybe, some, maybe it's not even that you're still running. Maybe you're just walking. But you're still going forward. And that's the key. You've got to keep going. As bad as it hurts, you, you, in Psalms we learn, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Right? Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Let us run the race with endurance. I'm, I'm with Jesus no matter what. And, and verse 2 says, looking to Him. Looking away from something and to Jesus. And here's another problem, folks. When bad things happen, what do we tend to do with Jesus? We tend to look away from Jesus. That's when we get discouraged. We look away from Jesus. Look, the circumstances in your life when bad things happen, those folks, please hear me. That is the time to turn to Jesus, not away from Him. Please, don't be fooled by Satan. Don't be tricked by the devil. Don't turn away from the Lord when it hurts. He understands. Look, of all people that understand this race, look what happens next. Looking to Jesus. Why? Because He's the author or the pioneer and the completer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When did He sit down? After the race was over. When will you, when will I, when will we sit down? Not during the race. We've got to run. We will sit down when the race is over. I get so tired. I get so tired. You get tired. I don't expect to rest in this life. I expect to work in this life. I expect to rest when I'm with Jesus. I'll get, all, I'll get eternal rest then. But I have one life to live. I have one life to live. I have one chance at this. I only go around once. You only go around once. And if you don't do it now, you will never do it. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, His hurdle his, his, uh, his cramp, if you could say that, was the cross. The cross. If anybody knows what it means to endure, to remain, to not flee, it's Jesus, isn't it? 
And we're going to celebrate communion today. The blood, the body of Christ. And we're going to remember that during his race, he came across a very difficult time. And he prayed, Lord, if there's any other way, take this cross from me. But he endured the shame. What helped him to endure it? What was set before him? It says it right there. The joy. Joy. When you finish that marathon, when you've run that race like Paul says, hey, I have run my race, I have finished my course, that feels so good, doesn't it? Listen, listen. The person that does not endure never knows that joy. The person that gives up midway through the race never understands the joy of having stuck with something hard, even when it hurts, to get to the other side where the joy is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because there's, as long as we're alive, there will be more things coming. And I don't know when they're coming for me or for you. But I do know this. My hope, my goal is to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. And no matter what comes, you ain't shaking me. Please, I, that's my hope. I can't say that for sure because not everything has come my way. I may get that bad cramp and I may be tempted to back out of the race. I hope you come and beat me up, drag me back on the course, and keep me going with you. You know, not my witnesses, the, the great cloud of witnesses, not just them, it's you. So, boy, I really wanted to share Job with you guys, but uh, let me just say this. Job is in some ways one of my heroes of the faith. Um, Job finds himself in an interesting place. God says, excuse me, Satan comes to God and says, uh, God says, have you considered my servant Job? Have you taken a look at Job? And this guy is top notch. He's a one of a kind. And Satan says, now listen, this is where I was talking about maturity earlier, okay? And then we're going to share communion in a few minutes. Um, Satan says this to God. God, Job's relationship with you is completely selfish. It's very superficial. The only reason Job loves you is because of what you do for him. If you don't, he doesn't love you, God. Anybody ever been used? Ever had someone in your life that was just a user, just used you, and you knew it? You came to that point where you recognized it was happening? How did you feel? You feel terrible, don't you? You feel dirty. But here's the sorrowing thought. A lot of people use God. They use God just for what he can give. And there's no personal commitment to him. And that's what Satan's... Look, today the same thing still holds true, folks. When that hard time comes, when you go through that suffering, that same question still rings from the mouth of Satan to the ears of God. See, God, these people of yours, they don't really love you. They just love what you can do for them. If you stop doing for them, then the relationship will, will be over. They won't love you. And God says, I think better of my people than that. I think better of my people. I think that our relationship is mature. I think that they love me no matter what. And so God allows Satan to bring suffering into the life, life of Job. The next time you're blaming God, remember that. It was the hand of Satan that brought that. And he loses his family. He loses his possessions. He even loses his health, ultimately. And Job says, uh, through all this, he gets down and he worships God. 
The hardest time in the life, what does he do? He worships God. And some of you that are going through hard times right now, today is a day. You can just make the mental choice to worship God. You don't have to feel like worshiping God. You worship Him for who He is. He is worthy. And so we come to Him, as Job did, naked I came into this world, and naked I'm going out. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. It's all His, folks. You didn't bring anything into this world. Nothing that you have really belongs to you because you can't take it with you. And Job said, naked I came in, naked I'm going out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it's just a choice. It's just a choice. And all that, Job never blamed God. And I'd love to go through more of that story with you. As Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's my hope for this congregation. That's my hope for me. So as we prepare ourselves for communion, Phil is going to come up and and just sing a couple of songs. And then we're going to have a time to share, uh, as we have in the past from the Word of God, uh, to give thanks, to praise the Lord. And then right at the the last ten minutes, we'll, we'll pass around the communion elements and we'll partake together. So this is just a time of preparing. So should we stand, Phil, and, and, and sing? Or you want to just sit and sing? Let's, let's stand for a few minutes. And I just want, as, as Phil plays, here's the question that you're asking today. Am I committed to God no matter what? Am I committed to God no matter what? Is my relationship with Him merely superficial and selfish? Or am I committed to Him in my heart just as He is committed to me? The psalmist said uh, in many places, but um, many times even when he was in the midst of trouble, he would talk about exalting the Lord and lifting Him up and singing praises to His name. And even saying, as a poor man, I would come to him and exalt him. There's this old chorus. I think many of you know it. We'll have the words up. But it says, I exalt thee, I exalt thee, I exalt thee, O Lord. And I I just want to start this time, as Steve said, just a a time of worshiping him, no matter what situation we're in. The, The verse starts, For thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. Just take this time. Uh, you know, we have still plenty of time before uh, time to get the kids and before they start crawling through the doors down there in the children's ministry. And I hope that in a little way the world has just started to disappear for you and you're just here kind of looking unto Jesus. And for the next uh, 10, 15 minutes is an opportunity for you all to minister to one another. Um, I will tell you, you know, we want to keep it brief enough so that as many people that want to share can share. So uh, you don't have to go back to the time when you were three and, make, and give the build up. Uh, if there's a praise, God is doing something in your life, then stand and, and testify to that. Tell everybody, you know, because that will encourage. Or if there's a word from the Lord that, that you hear that, that you've, that's been impacting you in the Bible and you want to read that. Stand up and share that. We'll just go one at a time and, and see how the Lord can minister to us, uh, you guys ministering to one another.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Uh, the communion elements are going to be coming around, um, and I always, you may be new here, you may not be saved, you may not have a relationship with the Lord. Uh, this is our celebration of remembrance, and um, it's the time when we remember the vow He's made to us and the vow we've made to Him. And so as it comes around, if, if first of all, if you're not saved, if you've never um, opened yourself up to receive Him into your heart, to, to accept His offer of eternal life to you, then please feel free to let the communion elements pass by. If you're not sure, if you, if you don't want to partake, then let them pass by. No one's going to say anything wrong or bad about you. Um, but if you're hearing what you're hearing today and you're seeing a group of people that are uh, like little children, dependent on God, and, and there's something inside of you that knows that that's exactly what you need, then please take the elements, the body, or the bread, which is representative of the body of Christ, and the, the blood, uh, the, the juice that represents His grace. That He doesn't offer this to you because of who you are or what you've done, but because of who He is and what He's done. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. And if you want that free gift, if you want to just partake of that, then please do. So as the elements come around, we'll continue to just share with one another. So you guys may go ahead and and pass around the communion elements. It was uh, on our honeymoon, we had gone to Aruba for our honeymoon, and I had lost my uh, wedding ring on day three. Didn't take me long. Thank God I have an understanding wife. The wedding ring is a reminder of vows. That when you make a commitment, that commitment is for better or for worse. And I see my relationship with God that same way. I don't understand his plan. Job did not know what was going on behind the scenes, did he? He didn't know the exchange between God. He didn't know that his life was being used to prove a man's love for God and a man's faith in God. You may not know it either, but people are watching. And our faith shines much more clear in our times of suffering than any other time. That's when people look at us and marvel. How do you do it? So if anybody else has something they want to share from the Word of God, please stand. Uh, Go ahead, uh, Cindy. Nice and loud. Amen. Uh, I think we needed this today. Amen. Amen. It's just good to be with the Lord. Uh, And I know the Lord is doing something just among us and in your hearts and in others of you that would love to have shared and and didn't have a chance that that could speak at length on on what God is doing or or wants to do in your life personally. And You know, you just can't explain it to someone who doesn't know, can you? You just can't explain it. And so I hope that anybody here this morning that, that you just don't know the Lord, you don't have a Heavenly Father You don't have anybody to thank when things go well other than yourself. 
And that's a lot of pressure. And this is eternal life. To know Jesus. To know Jesus. So you have the elements with you. You have the, the matzah representing the, the body of Christ and the, the grape juice which represents the blood. And, and when we take these things, he said, do these in remembrance of Him. And whenever somebody dies, we always want to keep their memory alive. And some ways we do that is through grants and, and scholarships and signs and things like that. And Jesus left us this so that we would remember to honor His name with our lives. To honor what He did for us. Do this in remembrance. In other words, do this to, to honor me through the generations. And the way we honor Him is by the way we love one another. That's all He ever asked for us. Just love each other. And, and that will suffice for me. As they were sitting at the table, the Lord's Supper, Jesus took the bread and He broke it. And He said, this is my body broken. This is my body broken for you. As often as you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. Far from wanting to free us from suffering, God joins us in it. He despised the shame. But He endured the cross for the joy of seeing you and I brought into relationship with God. It's worth it to Him. It's worth it to Him to go through that for your sake. It's worth it to Him to have those nails in His hands and His feet so that He could open up the way for you and I to freely come to God. What a blessing. I mean, we can't even imagine not having that capability. Or Maybe you can remember when you didn't know that. And so as he passed around the cup of wine, in their case, grape juice in our case, he said, this is representative of the blood. This is, this is the blood of the new covenant. Grace. Grace. Not works. Not law. Grace. And it's, it's shed for you. It's shed for you, Dennis. It's shed for you, Doug. Catherine and Rudy. It's shed for you. Colonel. The blood of Christ shed for you. For each one of us, individually and personally. He said, as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. If you're visiting today, you're thinking, okay, that's weird. Um, the power of sin is broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, it's late. We need to get those kids out of there. So we'll pray. You'll be excused. And, and Phil will play a song as you go. Father, whatever you have started today in this congregation, whatever you have begun in our hearts, Father, I pray that um, even when we don't see the fruit, even when we don't understand, Lord, that you would make us steadfast and immovable. That we would hold fast to the one whom we have trusted. And Father, I just pray that You would continue to bring us into maturity, that we would grow up into the head that is Jesus Christ. And that uh, You would use us and that our faith would go out into the community and people would see what is genuine and what is real, not what is superficial or artificial. 
And Father, we thank You for it at all possible because of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said with a loud voice, Amen. 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 You may be excused.